Hey everybody, welcome. This is DJ LJ coming to you from the Middle East. This is the Compassionate Mess podcast where creatives and compassionates explore what it means to be fully human. We talk about the complexities of this crazy world. We talk about the need for self-compassion and compassion for others, and sometimes the need for fierce compassion. What do we need? What do we really need? What do we really, really need? This is what we talk about. Welcome. episode I'm going to be talking about what it's like to well you will be seeing me in my crazy sort of after work mindset uh, yeah frenetic headspace going through the McDonald's drive through and what that looks like I will say uh, that uh, it, it also involves a couple of encounters with Saudi drivers who are aggressive and will drive up the wrong side of the road right at you. You never know what's coming at you in Saudi. It's uh, it's a, it's an adventure. It's an adventure. I also talk about. I also have a short uh, little preview clip uh, of an interview that I will be holding with my colleague Monica about weight training in a future episode. Weight training, weight loss, bodybuilding, health. Uh, and if I can get her to talk what it's like to be married to a Saudi man. She's from Mexico. And finally, I'll be concluding this episode with uh, some readings on, on mindfulness and eating. Enjoy. Okay, so here I am in the lineup at McDonald's. I know I'm going to be candid about this. Woo! Uh, there is some Saudi guy pulling his truck right up next to me, in front of me. Oh, what is it? Let me guess. Let me guess how old that kid is driving. 14? Definitely is a kid. <laughs> Only in Saudi Arabia. But you see, he's driving his mother. That's how... <coughs> that's how he knows. That's how I know they're out. Hello? Okay. So I'm buying McDonald's because it's been a long day and I have not grooved back into eating properly. What the hell's wrong with me? Okay, that is not very mindful or self Actually, it's extremely mindful. I'm extremely aware of what's going on. I am not being very self-compassionate. I'm in this place of frustration about this. Um, I've got the cravings and I've been on the road for so yes, long. Yes, Hello. Yes, hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? I am good also. Very good. Um, do you, listen, I, I want a fresh burger, okay? I do not no want... Problem. I can mean it. No problem. Okay, you, thank you. Could I please yes, get one chicken burger and... Okay. One chicken burger, one cheeseburger, one large fries. Okay. And a small diet coke. Okay, so chicken burger with cheese or without cheese? What? Ch- ch- chicken burger without cheese? Like ch- without chicken cheese. sandwich, huh? Yeah, yeah. One chicken burger sandwich, one cheeseburger sandwich, one French fries, one small side diet coke, huh? That's right. And please make sure they're fresh and not sitting there. Don't worry, man. Thank you. Welcome. Shukriya. Okay, so <laughs> this is the most embarrassing thing. I'm going to have McDonald's. 
I don't even know how many calories this is. It's scary. I don't normally... Hello, how are you? <laughs> this makes me laugh. You're funny. Yes, the burgers have not been good when they're not fresh. Okay. I'm checking before I leave. Yes, definitely. How are you? Are you good? If I want to see an English menu, can you show me? No, English menu is outside map. The inside is small one. You have a small one inside if I want an English only menu? For the inside. Do you have one I can take? No, only for this one, the small for what? This one fixed already. The ah, okay, uh, it's changing. Long time, very long time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, right? <laughs> take care. Oh my god, okay, so that's it. This is my last, I, I swear, this is my last crap meal <laughs> this year. Okay, thank, thank you. you. This is my last crap meal until, I don't know, this is my last crap meal for now. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So I have been struggling to come off my tour, like, uh, to come off my sort of crashed diet, you know, status um, as a result of touring internationally. And I really feel that you know, traveling, I have a new empathy for people who travel. And how the hell they don't gain shit tons of weight. Yeah. Hi. Seriously. Thank you. Because, oh my God, like it's just exhausting traveling. Okay, when you're a traveler and you're sitting in Bali, it's different, right? Or Thailand. But when you are, when you are going to conferences, sitting in hotels, buffets, feeding children oh my god going to malls etc uh it's been difficult it's been difficult so i've i had a good chat with my friend my colleague monica who is a weight train is a weightlifting champion i mean world champion okay anyway so she i was doing really well this year uh i was doing really well this year on just driving down the alley and then I'm going to stop soon here. Uh, I just live around the corner here from here. I was doing really well with weight loss. I, I, I reached a point where I was diabetes reversed. Everything was just going so cool, so well. My cholesterol was dropping like mad. I mean, you know, I've been really, uh, you know, working hard to get fit. I was looking skinny. And I've hit my lowest in 16 years, my lowest weight in 16 years. So I was pretty hyped about that. And then I swear to God, this happens to me all the time. I get derailed and I friggin' knew it was going to happen around the time that I was directing a show. And that's what happened because my kids needed to be fed and I was tired. We were all exhausted, pulling long hours. Oh my God. And so anyway, I've gained some weight. So my, my colleague and I talked about it, um, you know, this, this morning, actually. I went in and I said, do you want to do an interview about, do you want to do it? What? Oh, God, Saudi drivers, will you just get real, mate? Anyway, so, um, so I said, do you want to talk? Do you want to be interviewed on my podcast? Because I'd spoken to her before about this and she started laughing. So cute, Monica. I'm going to miss her. She's leaving. She's leaving us. 
because she's got some plan in the air or something. Something cool is going down in her life and there's going to be a move and so sometime next year. But she's leaving early because that's how it is in schools. You can't just pull out mid-year. It's, it's, too, it's too hard. Oh, sad, sad, sad. So anyway, I walked in and I said, do you want to do an interview, Monica? She laughed. She laughed. And so we did a little tiny, she, she started talking about how over the weekend her Saudi family got her and they were feeding her tons of carbs and she couldn't say no. <laughs> she couldn't say no because you don't say no to Saudis when they're feeding you. I said, haven't you learned? Anyway, I will save that because of the interview that we actually had. I'll share that with you if I have the guts to actually share this with you. What the hell? I'm eating McDonald's tonight. <laughs> okay. Haven't you learned? So we're talking, my friend, my friend Monica and I are talking about Arabs and Arab culture. Yeah, close the door. <laughs> this is the truth though, okay? This is what I learned from my Saudi friends, okay? So you cannot say no to someone serving you food. But you cannot, you can refuse to eat it. Haven't you, you learned could, that yet? Because you, they you, do that. They do do that. They pick at the food a little bit. Yeah. And then, like, it's polite to eat a little bit and leave it on the plate, which is really odd to me. Yeah. But for me, in my house, is the food they give you, you eat it. Right. And you don't waste it. So okay. it's hard for me to be rude and just, like, leave the food on my plate. So I just end up eating it all. Yeah. And it like it almost seems like they are jealous because they keep saying, pointing out that I lost a little weight. But then, uh, really? Yeah. But then it's like, here, eat all this food, but we won't eat it. So you eat it. I don't know. Like this, <laughs> I know. I find this like it's it's how I learned. It's how I figured this out because I thought, wait a minute, it's not fair that my Saudi friends will put this food on my plate but they won't eat that amount of food. Like nobody, no human being should eat that amount of food, Mm-mm. right? So we're talking about healthy eating when you're out and you're a guest in someone's home. And so anyway, I learned, I watched it. I'm like, oh, that's the trick. The trick is you you let someone serve you, yeah. but you leave it behind. And then, yeah, the dilemma is, it's a moral dilemma really, like how you leave that food behind. course we didn't mean any harm uh, in discussing actually um, what happens in an Arab home. I absolutely love Saudi culture, Saudi customs, Saudi food, Saudi hospitality. It truly is considered to be among the greatest in this region uh, across the Middle East and I think in the in the Gulf region my experience has been that you know in terms of going, being welcomed into someone's home, Saudis are extremely hospitable. Uh, more hospitable than any other people I've met. Uh, I can only talk, I suppose, you know, about living in Qatar. People there are also equally, similarly hospitable. But because they're outnumbered by foreigners, they're not so open, whereas Saudis will bring you into their home in- almost immediately if you... If you give them a good reason, you know, if you are genuine and they sense it, they know it, they will want you in. Anyway, 
Of course, it takes many layers of many visits to penetrate the layers of formality, which eventually leads you to know the people on a personal level. I mean, it can take years, and it has in my case with some people. Oh, well, let me just take you right back to the McDonald's thing. I'm home. I'm in the compound, just driving over the speed bumps. Boom. Two. Bump, bump, bump. So I live on a compound in Saudi Arabia, for anyone who has no idea what that is. What it means is that I live behind 10-foot-high walls with barbed wire on top. And, you know, this is Saudi, man. There's a war going on next door in Yemen with the Houthi rebels, and all the radical elements just can't seem to calm down. And so this country's under threat. And in the end, because of, you know, I this is my belief, I haven't been... I don't think I've been proven wrong yet. Okay, now I'm talking politics. First time... I've talked about politics. I started talking about Donald J, but I decided that was just kind of unsavory, so I decided not to talk about him. But I'm going to talk about this because I live in a war zone. Not really in the heat of it, but I do live in a war zone. It's the Middle East, and it's a part of the Middle East where there are there are conflicts all around, you know, what they call conflicts. People dying, and... Um, Anyway, I have been in the Middle East for 18 years, 11 plus 6, 18 years. That's right, more, 18 and a half. And why am I talking about this when I was talking about McDonald's? I don't know. Why, 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 why? Ooh, okay, here's a little factoid about me. I am forgetful sometimes when I'm in the middle of my rambling. Uh, Sorry about that. Now I'm going to have to listen back and figure out what on earth I was trying to tell you. Anyway, oh, I was saying why I live on this compound. Well, because compounds, Western people here have been, even in my time, uh, they have been uh, shot at by snipers. Let's not talk about it too much because knock on wood, this is not a good idea. Anyway, um, there is a high security risk here. So I live on a compound, but I live just near McDonald's. It's a bad situation. Ever been in that situation where you just find yourself pulling in repeatedly to the fast foodies to get food? It's just ridiculous, right? (sighs) Mindful self-compassion would have us just stop. Fierce compassion is actually where you go stop. No, no, no. Because actually you kind of parent yourself into a place of, hold on a minute. This is not healthy. This is not healthy, darling. (sighs) So this is going to be my last junky meal. And tonight I'm going to figure out how to make food that is going to nurture me. And tomorrow, and I'm going to write my plan down. That's my plan, to write my plan down. Anyway, this episode is clearly going to be dedicated to how to lose weight or how to deal with this pain of losing weight and staying fit. And I mean, we're going to be talking about that till the cows come home because this is my number one challenge in life, okay? To get to goal weight and keep diabetes, type 2 diabetes at bay. 
<sighs> I saw my favorite doctor yesterday <clears throat> and you know I've had a cough since the last episode and I still have this cough I do not have coronavirus thank god but sorry to cough in this radio uh podcasty thing Anyway, today I'm feeling very casual, probably a bit too flip. I should be a bit more formal with my podcast, right? Anyway, I will be talking about health until the cows come home because it is one of the five pillars of my healing plan, which I will talk about soon. Yes. Okay, so now I need to go and eat my dinner while it's hot and then come up with a plan. from my random books off the bookshelf. Not 100% random, of course, but something off my shelf today. Mindful Eating, Mindful Life by Titnak... Oh, I can never say his name. I knew I was going to butcher that. Titnathan. Titnathan. Titnathan, however you say his lovely name. And Dr. Lillian Chung... So the title is Mindful Eating, Mindful Life. Savor every moment and every bite. Oh my. Let me read. From chapter four. Stop and look. The present moment. To understand and transform our suffering, we need to use a step-by-step process of deep observation. Just like the scientist does in the laboratory. We start by being aware of and acknowledging our suffering. Take, for example, our unhappiness with our weight. We must make an effort to stop our busy lives for a moment and become aware of our suffering, something most of us try to avoid and resist. Instead, we need to embrace and accept the pain we feel about our weight. Next, we must realize that the suffering Inside us isn't just something that we are looking at from the outside. We are that block of suffering. We become one with our suffering just as the scientific observer observer becomes one with the object of his investigation. And this amalgam is the key to transforming and relieving our misery. For example... To understand our shame of being overweight, we must acknowledge and accept that we are embarrassed, angry, and filled with despair. By becoming one with our suffering, we can feel it. We acknowledge the feelings. We do not reject them or push them away. We know that we can identify the causes of our suffering, and we can find a way out. How can we become deep observers of our suffering and free ourselves from it through the daily practice of mindfulness? Hmm. Page 67, 68. Ah, It's just very spacious. It makes me feel good. I decided to share with you that experience of me going to McDonald's, mindful to an extent, 
mindful of the fact that I was frustrated, but not really feeling that, actually. In a way, trying to avoid it, trying to, you know, get away from that feeling. And at the same time, so caught up in it that I was frustrated with myself. So I knew, actually, coming home that what I really needed to do, um, you know, and I think we do, we know what we need, hey? But we don't always slow down enough to listen. And this is where I like, you know, Leo Babauta's book, The Power of Less. The six, princi- the six essential productivity principles that will change your life. Now, this guy wrote... Uh, a po- uh, not a podcast, this guy wrote a blog called The Zen Habits, uh, which documents how he reaches, you know, or how he reached these goals of becoming a runner, becoming healthier, working two jobs, doubling his income, becoming an early riser, becoming a vegetarian, uh, setting up a successful blog, eliminating debt. I mean, I feel like I'm looking at myself here. Um, setting up an emergency fund for the first time. And essentially, number 12 on his list of 19 is that he simplified his life, decluttered his home, lost 40 pounds, uh, wrote and sold two successful ebooks, and started writing a novel, quit his day job, works from home, started a second successful blog, blog Write to Done for Writers, and published this book. This book being The Power of Less. So, and he's done more than that, clearly, you know, and lists like that never tell the whole story, but I like it. I like this. I like, I, I'm not a list writer, but I am a goals writer and I tend to, I have sort of backed off from writing goals, but every once in a while I get fired up and really my goals this year were to get to 135 pounds and I've lost 40 pounds three times. This could be the fourth. I don't. I have not regained forty pounds, but uh, three, four times now I've lost forty pounds, and over the years my weight has been creeping up, and mostly it's just been down to some frustration over my own story, which you know, in a nutshell, I lost my fortune on a stock market in two thousand and eight. That's one. I went through you know, all kinds of relationship turmoil, that's two. After becoming a non-resident or like an a, an expatriate, a, a, a resident, a citizen of the world, oh, after doing that, I became quite disoriented with regards to where home is. And now I find myself in midlife uh, in the position that they say a lot of diplomats, foreign diplomats experience this, of a kind of um, in a place of exile when they when they want to go back to their home country it's not only the problem of trying to get work as you go back to your country if you go back to your country but you don't you're a third culture adult you know and that's what I am I am a third culture adult I don't quite fit in anywhere and so on the one hand I'm always yearning for something that I don't have. And when I have it, I'm yearning for something else I don't have. So uh, I think I'll probably end up closing off this blog after I talk about the power and the beauty of just simplifying your thinking and simplifying things. 
one thing that, you know, I know about that is it just takes the edge off. And that description of mindfulness by um, this lovely monk is uh, an invitation to just become mindful. And here's a quote for you from Chogyam Trungpa, from the book, The Sacred Path of the Warrior. In working with ourselves, cleaning up begins by telling the truth. We have to shed any hesitation about being honest with ourselves, because it might be unpleasant. If you feel bad when you come home because you had a hard day at the office, you can tell the truth about that. You feel bad. Then you don't have to try to shake off your pain by throwing it around your living room. Instead, you can start to relax. You can be genuine at home. You can take a shower and put on fresh clothes and take some refreshment. You can change your shoes, go outside and walk in your garden. Then you might feel better. In fact, when you get close to the truth, you can tell the truth and feel great. Hello, well, I'm back and I'm going to yet another buffet <laughs> that I've not been able to control myself at. I noticed that one of my colleagues just dipped into the popcorn and left it there. They're not having the dinner. And I, of course, took one look at the dinner and let myself get famished by the time dinner rolled around. So like all the people at my table, I just dove right into it. And now I'm stuffed. There's a role for mindfulness to play with regards to ah, self-regulation. And that is that if you tune into how you physically feel, you'll realize how absolutely awful you feel if you are overeating and binging and calm it down. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really getting clear about this again. But I have to talk about a totally different subject right now. I'm in Saudi and the locusts are coming and I can see them flying in the air. There are swarms coming and I'm freaking out because I've seen videos of these, these locusts coming in from Africa and it's a serious problem. And I saw three of them on the way over to this thing. And so the locusts are coming. You're gonna hear about this because I know I'm gonna talk about it. Okay, here we go. We're getting to the party, can you hear? Oh, oh, the flash mob is happening. Oh my God, they're flash mobbing my colleague who's Big birthday it is. How fun. Here we go. Ooh, Indian flash mob. Fun man. figure out what the sound is that's right I'm on the life cycle because I love my life and I want to live long after all of that McDonald's and uh, oh my goodness I had an allergy attack yesterday to wheat at a staff 
our staff annual party. So this is not unknown to me that I'm allergic to wheat. I'm allergic to wheat when I exercise. I mean, I guess I'm allergic to it, but I have an, I have an allergy called wheat-dependent exercise-induced anaphylaxis, uh, which is really what kicked off my workouts uh, for real last year uh, or the year before. And in, everything intensified last year when I decided to really get my weight down start to get my weight to goal and go for it you know I'm a big believer in dreams <sighs> anyway so I've taken a lot of chances where I I don't eat I, I will eat wheat but not exercise and cause this protein in the system to activate and therefore hives don't come up but anyway yesterday something about the night the temperature outside it was warm and then it was cool and it's caused the sweat and I had I ate from the buffet, and, uh, which, which had some wheat in it, pasta, and some mini pizzas. And that was it. So by the time I walked home to get a sweater and put some bug spray on and come back because the mosquitoes were out, I started to feel itchy. Went back home and had to take, uh, take some prednisone and then get in my car and drive to hospital. So that, was, that sucked. That sucked. But it was a very good reminder to just, you know, take a step back, think about it. And I've just been quietly with myself today thinking, yeah, just, I really need to identify the factors that are uh, kind of leaving me a bit drawn out at the moment. Party after party, event after event, travel after travel. I never thought I'd feel this tired, but I am feeling a bit, a bit like I need to just hibernate, be a bear. So in 10 days, I'm, I'm at a compassion summit with my students and I have to prep them. I'm also leading a teacher training this week. I really need to be kind to myself. So I'm going to um, just do a short workout right now. This is day three of getting back to my workouts that make me feel mentally very happy. And physically, I do them at a very relaxed pace when I'm working in the night like this. So it's 11 o'clock at night. A lot of my workouts are at 11 o'clock at night um, because there's nobody in the gym. And I like that. So I'm going to work out. I'm just doing 15 minutes of cardio to get the blood flowing and the muscles warmed up. And then I have a legs workout. I'm going to keep this super easy today. Go home, go to bed early, and have a good day tomorrow. So all of this is to say, nothing in life is permanent. It reminds me of my meditation teacher, Hamid, my Zen meditation teacher. I trained with this wonderful man. Uh, in 2018, before I trained in my first Mindful Self-Compassion course with Kristen Neff and Chris Germer. And, or no, after, sorry, after, before I did the teacher training this year in MSC. And Hamid talked about, and so did Chris actually talk about, 
how it must be a common thing talked about in sort of the world of Buddhism, perhaps, the analogy of our emotions being like the waves on the top of it, on the surface of an ocean, and things rise and fall, but we can still remain calm inside. So this is why I'm not getting too wound up about anything. Although I'm cycling, winding my legs around this bike. Um, be at peace, you know? All things are good. All things are somehow inherently going to fall back to a place of hopefully balance. And we won't talk about tragedy right now because that, that'll take us down another path altogether in thinking. But I've had deep conversations about that too. So as I get on with my workout, I wish you all well, wherever you are in the world, and may we all feel safe, peaceful, healthy, and happy. Take care. Okay, it's a few days later. What is it? Five days after the McDonald's incident? Hmm. One week later? I can't even... The days are blurred. Uh, okay, so I've seen my doctor, my endocrinology specialist. Uh, just to hearken everyone back to this, my introductory podcast about who I am. I decided to add that in on episode three of this podcast. And I let everybody know that I'm basically non-diabetic diabetic diabetic. (laughs) so a diabetic reversed still in reversal supposedly I'm very I think my standards are higher than my doctors but he tells me that my glucose h1ac h1a3 readings are still in the non-diabetic range I need to check that but anyway here's my story So I am like a typical North American person who was raised by a dad who used to take our family out to Dairy Queen for a burger, fries, and ice cream every Sunday. It was a real treat. Grew up on an acreage. And, you know, like I just ate like every other family. My mom cooked until she went back to work. And we'd, you know, we'd have like a roast beef and potatoes, sort of Sunday roast. And, uh, you know, typical Canadian, Canadian fare, right? Anyway, I, we didn't grow up eating candy very often or cookies or sweets. And for some reason, that sort of set me up for a kind of mind state that whenever I would have them, I would kind of binge on that stuff. And while I'm talking to you, I'm putting my groceries away. So I've got some kind of sugar addiction going on that is so hard to kick can't even tell you it's really tough you get what I'm saying so I I feel like I have not worked hard enough (laughs) the language itself is probably the problem but I have not really tapped into I mean I've studied mindful self-compassion I teach it I can teach it like no tomorrow practicing it I practice it and it's a challenge around this particular I've got some very sticky phobias and one of them is dying a horrible death so you know not only do I have I think I mentioned in my 
introductory podcast about myself. Not only do I have this script that rolls around in my head that says I'm homeless when I'm not, I live in a beautiful beach shack on the Persian Gulf in Saudi Arabia, but I've got this other thing, this script in my head, and I know it's a script, I know it is. It's a script in my head that says I'm going to uh, die young and I'm going to die a horrible death. It's like, what? I really need to unstick it. Uh, so, and currently what you're hearing right now is I, I, I make always, on the weekends, when I'm in my routine anyway, I make two jugs, glass jugs of beautiful green herbal tea. So one comes, both of these in particular for today are coming from Dubai's Spikes, uh, Spice Souk where I was two weeks ago with my colleague and our students on a Week Without Walls trip. And one of them is a turmeric blend. It, I hope it tastes good, because I don't know that I'm in love with turmeric, you know. But I think it's green tea with turmeric. And it's supposed to be good for diet, like it's supposed to be good for reducing your glucose. I don't know what's in here, but mm, it actually smells okay. So it's mild. <laughs> I don't know if that's sugar. What's that stuff? What? I don't know about this. I don't know. We'll see. Mm. Anyway, I'm going to make my first pot of this stuff. I don't know if that's dried tofu. That's what it looks like. And anyway, it's got a nice fragrance to it. So I'm making a pot of that. I'm hanging the ball there. And I have one more. And so the other one is going to be a mixed berry green tea. That one I tried yesterday. It's nice and mild. Not cheap, man. Teas are expensive. 80 reals, so 12, 12 pounds for a container that I will make last a long time. Hey, why not? Beats, uh, you know, binging on some crap from McDonald's, doesn't it? Anyway, I've got this script in my head that says I'm going to die a horrible death from diabetes. And, you know, it just, it's, it's a product of uh, what, like, knowing that my grandfather, watching my grandfather lose his leg to diabetes. It, it just really bothers me. And I clearly have some therapeutic work to do on this still. I don't know what it is. Like, I'm trying to, I think I'm, I always feel like I'm fighting the science uh, because my doctor is a guy who, well, he's really, he's, he's pretty happy still with my diabetic markers, but what he keeps battling me on, actually, we're, it's not a battle, it's a dialogue, <laughs> but what he wants is, he says, and the NICE guidelines, the European NICE guidelines, and I have no doubt that the American guidelines from the Heart Association or the government you know, say that my cholesterol is high and that this is a problem. Now, all it does is it fuels questions in my head about what's right, what's wrong, what's corrupt, what's not. And I know I sound completely um, paranoid, but there's quite a lot of evidence to show that there has been corruption in the American heart and diabetic associations. And so the whole keto movement, keto dieting has actually worked for me quite nicely in terms of losing weight. The problem is a diet is a diet and anything restrictive 
you know, uh, what I, what, you have to get your head around that. But either way, hmm, get a ribeye steak for later. Either way, uh, whether it's a diet that I choose or, you know, it's forced upon me because of my health status, I have to restrict myself from sugar. And I'm just feeling sorry for myself today. I think that's just fundamentally it right there. I'm feeling sorry for myself because I know I know I have to constantly be thinking about food and actually I'm sick of it. I'm sick of thinking about food and I'm venting right now. But you know, I you ever felt that way? Yeah, I'm sure you have. I'm sure we all have about something, right? So Let's talk, let's just flip the coin now and talk about the purpose of this podcast. So the point of all of this, of telling you about this, is number one, to let you know about the sort of mess. (laughs) This is the mess that I find myself in, and this is the messiness of life. Yep, that's right. This is the human condition where, you know, the conversation I had with my doctor today was all about, my gosh, my fridge is full. I really need to go through this. Um, really, we're having a conversation about the, just the, the facts that some things are genetic, you know, which I just struggle to accept, actually. I've come to conclude. I really don't want to accept that genetics could be wreaking a little havoc here with my health. It may be that I will have to accept that at some point, but I don't want to. Uh, So I keep, I really, I don't know. I think what it is, is I'm a bit of a miracle believer. And, you know, if people can overcome cancer, which is just the scariest of them, isn't it? I mean, there are lots of scary diseases out there, but if people can battle cancer and come through it, then, you know, I tend to think that diabetes, type 2 diabetes is, a, is doable, very doable, because it's about weight loss. So, anyway, the conversation that my good doctor said and I had today was that basically, I said, okay, well, what is the evidence here? You know, like, let's talk evidence again about diabetes, because, you know, high cholesterol and diabetes are just a bad mix. You're setting yourself up for serious heart incidents, and I know this. So he basically said, you know, you've got to lose about 20 pounds, 30 pounds. So here I am. I've put myself back in that situation where I've got to, you know, deal with this story. And he said that'll buy you 8 to 10 years of (laughs) non-diabetic status. I was just like, what? What do you mean? You know, um, so I need to go back to my reading and clearly look at, you know, what the alternative views are on all of this but anyway he said you know I said then what and he said the research doesn't reveal so hopefully within that amount of time somebody will have done enough research to reassure me that I'm not going to die a horrible death and in the meantime I really just need to erase this script and replace it with some positive thinking so you know I definitely was driving first of all I started driving down the street and the first tact I took was I drove myself to the beach. The Corniche is what it's called. So the boardwalk in the Middle East is called the Corniche. And all the Saudis were out and people were relaxing and it was beautiful. And I thought, isn't that interesting? People are really calm and 
Com and, you know, a bunch of guys have gotten together in the family section. Don't ask me why. They should be in the men's section. But they'd kind of rolled up in their motorcycles and had all kind of spread out and were having a nice relaxing afternoon together picnicking. And I thought, God, that's so nice. <laughs> I wish I had some friends here to do that with. This is my, this is a bit of a challenge for me in Saudi. Anyway, so it was just, it was lovely to just sit there and watch them for a bit. And I saw a Saudi couple walk by holding hands and I snapped a photo of them when they walked under these beautiful arches and the beach, the sea is really beautifully baby blue and the sky is always baby blue in good weather in this part of the world. And I thought, okay, I started to feel like the amygdala in my brain calm down, you know. Um, when we get really super hyped out about something that's upsetting us, our animal instinct just fires right off and we think that there's an immediate threat and that's that's what happened today. It's like, well, wait a minute, nothing changed from yesterday other than now I have the facts again. This is how I've monitored myself as a diabetic in the last two years longer but really heavily in the last two years and so the I have the facts and it's like all right all right so I know that I knew my cholesterol was going to go up because of because of my two and a half three months you know slip off the off the edge of my whatever uh you know complete bingeaholic behavior while stressed out and traveling and working too much and so anyway, I knew it. I knew, I knew it had to come. And so it did. Actually, if I think about it, the news could have been worse because it could have, my glucose could have spiked so badly that I would have been jacked right up to, uh, you know, a diabetic range. And he said, my daily, here's what I've noticed. My daily numbers are rising quite high in the morning and they're starting to come down because, I don't know, I'm intermittent fasting having two meals a day instead of three. Anyway, the conversation my doctor and I had was basically that, you know, I can't eat my way enough to create security medically. That's really the gist of it. And I thought, no, no, I can. I can. I can eat my way with good health and with the right mindset and with, you know, enough quality life changes that I think I can so I've got that little like choo-choo train mentality in my head that says I think I can I think I can I think I can anyway I just had to calm all of that down and I couldn't and I'm not sure I I have yet calmed my brain down I'm talking to you and I feel I'm just aware that what I'm going to do after I finish talking to you is I'm going to sit and meditate because I've been crying and then mad and crying and angry and frustrated with myself and that's it that's the turning on yourself that happens uh you know in moments like this and that's where self-compassion becomes so important so important to just you know remember that hey a lot of people are battling this extremely difficult disease and others and, you know, it's a lifestyle disease in part, but the genetics aspect of it, I know, I know they, they, I've read enough to know that that's part of it. 
and I still need to get to grips with it all. So I'm going to sit and slow down and do some reading, take myself to the beach, and remember that, you know, all is not lost. And you know what? It's funny because these little crisis moments, here's the silver lining, and this is a mindful self-compassion practice too. Look for that silver lining. You know what the silver lining is? The silver lining is I've lost all my appetite for McDonald's. And uh, yeah, I consider this a reset. So until the next time, let's all take a deep breath if we're struggling with anything difficult. And, you know, remember that all is not lost. Okay? All for now. The sound you're hearing right now, can you imagine? What is this? Mm. Is, can you hear this? Me peeling hard-boiled eggs. It's late afternoon, end of my working day, start of the week, and I've had a very big week. I've decided to totally revamp my podcast episode, which was all supposed to focus on, excuse me, binging at McDonald's, and I decided that actually the story is bigger than that, and Yes, it is about, it's about eating well. And of course, there's no one way to eat well. But I'm going to talk about my way of eating well and what's behind all of that. I would love to know what you do and what's behind your decision making with regards to eating well. So at the moment, I had some bad news this week. Well, it wasn't really overly bad. It was just, it was expected news. I've I've been traveling, and of course I've recorded about the fact that I've been traveling and binging like mad, eating at buffets. So difficult. I remember, I'm not going to go into memories. I keep slipping into memories, but... uh, I just really found it quite difficult this winter... And I anticipated this, which was even worse. I anticipated that I would not be able to keep motivated and stick to my keto diet, which was really, I mean, I lost the highest amount of weight that I've lost in 16 years. Slowly, nothing rapid, nice and slow and easy, not hard. But what happened is I just went back to work in the fall after a really good summer of training at the gym in Canada, and I just increasingly started to slide. That was extremely frustrating. So it always seems to take a crisis for me to come back to equilibrium and motivation. Anyway, what I want to talk about is why is it so hard to eat well? Why is it so hard to eat well? Why don't we all eat well all the time? Hmm. Isn't that an interesting question? How, you know, and I would love to know what you think about that. So please, if you have opinions about why we just don't eat well, 
tell me. I have some theories as I roll my eggs and peel them. Two more to go. One is I believe that, well, part of the way that we were raised probably has a big impact on the way that we eat. So we can, I don't want to say blame it on our parents, but Perhaps our parents have had an impact on the way that we view food, feel about food, relate to food. Is it emotional eating or do we eat, you know, because we savor eating and we've been raised in a family where perhaps dining has its own rituals. I mean, hmm. How do we relate to food? Uh, I think also another factor that determines how we relate to food and eat food, why we don't eat well or why we do eat well, is, you know, the nature of our lifestyle. Yeah. That's the last of, let me think, ooh, I boiled eight eggs. Like, when am I going to eat them before they expire? I think I need to make some egg salad. And have that with uh, a nice green salad. I just went shopping for fresh food. I love to buy whole foods. I've given up pulses, although I have friends who really are vegan and vegetarian and they're talking to me about the beauty of them. I, I love pulses. Uh, but, you know, I have got uh, gut issues and I cannot eat those things. They cause problems for me. So, eating protein is better on my stomach. And of course, you know, I don't know. Everything seems to just go wrong at 40. But why do we find it so difficult to eat, eat well? I think because we didn't learn how to eat well. We can have emotional issues and then food becomes a pacifier food's a great pacifier right um uh why else oh wow millions of chinese companies are now facing collapses the coronavirus threatens much of the economy isn't that crazy crazy yeah um hmm this episode is all over the place. Um, why don't we eat well? Well, I think also corporations. Why don't we eat well? I think corporations are culpable. And while I don't believe in blaming, you know, government or anybody really for you know our problems i do believe that it has an impact and so there's some responsibility there perhaps there's there's some moral responsibility there in terms of what food is out there on the shelves and the way that it's provided for maybe it's just our evolution as a planet that we have not yet figured out that we need to uh, you know, get back to simple things, to nature. Um, as I'm talking to you, I'm unpacking from my day 
because I have run home from school and I have quite a lot to do and my brain is multitasking. So you're actually hearing me multitask. Isn't that odd? Uh, I have, <laughs> let me tell you the things I have to do. I need to study for a psych course that I need to finish. It's a theories in psychotherapy and counseling course. I need to prepare for an international trip that I'm leading a group of students on. I need to prepare a teacher adult training in mindful self-compassion. I need to pack. Not this week, though. Oh, what else do I need to do? I have a writer's group I'm part of, so I need to do some writing. Although I've done my writing for the week, so I'm good. But I have that re- writing group tomorrow. Uh, I decided I'm far too busy. And speaking to a friend of mine in Australia, she said, you know what? Get your hired help to my housekeeper to um, do more. <laughs> Basically, just to kind of do a little bit more, just in terms of tidying a few things because it was starting to feel really cluttery and I just needed a bit of mental space. So anyway, um, I don't even know what I'm talking about. What am I talking about? Um, being busy. I'm coming back. Okay, so here's the problem. Now it's gotten so messy, this podcast, that I don't know. I, I Actually, Anchor is so cool. But Anchor, when you record something, I don't know, there must be like a podcasting organizer's brain here that's not working for me. Because I've got so many clips of recordings now that they're not banked, organized, or whatever. And my topics are getting mixed up. So I did warn you this was going to be messy. I will come back with some semblance of something soon. And you've been listening to The Compassionate Mess with DJ LJ. We're going to leave it there this evening and come back with the wonderful third culture adult list of things to appreciate in one of our next episodes. So keep tuning in. It seems like this podcast will just build upon one episode after another. It's meant to be random, and at the same time, I hope it takes you around the world and back to yourself. Welcome. Please leave me a message on the Anchor app, and if you'd like to be incorporated, let me know. Uh, If you'd like to be interviewed, let me know, and please share this podcast out. It would be an absolute delight to see where in the world it can get to and who can bounce back to me. Thank you for tuning in. And just a reminder, you can find my social media connections on my website at CompassionateMess.com. Come and have a check it out, kind of a date with yourself have a read of some poetry and drop me a message or share out some social media hey every little bit helps and i truly appreciate it